the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Pharisees were, were ritualistic. They were mechanical, just like so many church people. They just went through the motions. They had no heart for God. Their righteousness couldn't get them to heaven, even though it was outwardly great. Why? Because to get to heaven, you need perfect righteousness. Perfect righteousness. In other words, to get to heaven, you have to be as righteous as God. You say, wait a minute, how could that be? Well, let me show you. If you are standing under a grand piano which is suspended over your head by a chain, how many links in that chain would need to break in order for the piano to fall on you? It is the same with God's law. The Apostle James said, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. To avoid spending eternity in hell, we need to live an absolutely perfect life, inwardly as well as outwardly, every second of every day. Now, if that doesn't rob us of joy, I don't know what will. But we can have joy. We can rejoice every day once we let God place upon us the perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus. Welcome to Verse by Verse. This is Peter Silseth, and our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Since 1981, Pastor Steve has been teaching at Lakeside, preaching one verse at a time. These daily radio Bible classes grew out of that teaching ministry. Today we are in Philippians chapter 3. Before he came to Christ, the Apostle Paul was just about as righteous as any man who ever lived. Yet in verse 8, Paul said that he considered all his previous attempts at righteousness to be like manure, to use more modern terminology. And he threw all of that aside in view of the incomparable value of knowing Christ. Did you know that you can know Christ? And not just know about him, but know him personally? Let's look at that concept. Here is Pastor Steve. What's he referring to? That expression of knowing Christ Jesus. What did he gain in religion, in Christ rather, in coming to Christ, knowing Christ? And what does that mean? Well, it certainly means more than simply knowing about him. And you need to understand that oftentimes we say, well, do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? What do we mean by that? Do you know the Lord? It means do you have a relationship with him? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? It is not just knowing about him. Yes, you have to certainly know about him, but it doesn't stop there. It is knowing him intimately, personally. The word for know means experiential knowledge, not just head knowledge. That's so important that you understand that. Experiential knowledge. You see, it is one thing to know about Christ, another thing to know him. For instance, if someone says, well, do you know so-and-so? No, I've heard about him or her, but I've never met them. Do you know about Washington? Do you, do you know about Lincoln? Yes, I know about them. I've read about them, but I certainly don't know them personally. Now, that's just basic, but that's, that's the heart of what we're saying. That's the difference. 
I'd like to show you some places that the Bible says about knowing him. If you look at John chapter 10, John chapter 10. Some of us maybe don't realize this. You've grown up with a head knowledge about Christ, but do you know him? Now, granted, we all of life is getting to know him better. That's why Paul will say in verse 10, all that I may know him. Well, Paul, I thought you said you already know him. Yes, I met him, but now I want to know him better. But in chapter 10 of John's gospel, verse 14, Jesus speaking as the good shepherd, he writes, says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and watch this. My sheep know me. Now, he says, I know them. They know me. Do you think he means I just know about them? No. Therefore, if he means I know them intimately, then he means also they know me intimately. You can't have one without the other. I know them personally. I have a relationship with them and they have a relationship with me. And then John chapter 17 Verse 3. I mean, John uh, emphasized this a number of times. John 17, verse 3. In the high priestly prayer of our Lord, just before he went back to be with the Father, actually just before he was, was crucified, he said, this is eternal life. You want to know what eternal life is? You want to know what the gospel is? You want to know what being saved is? You hear those terms? What do they mean? That they may know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. The heart of our message is that we can know him personally. Otherwise, we are separated from him. Our sins have separated us. We can know him. And then finally, John chapter, first John rather, chapter 5, verse 20. John concludes his letter of five chapters, first John, and we know, you don't, you don't need to turn there if it's going to take a while, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding in order that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life, that we may know Him, that we may know Him. What do you gain by coming to Christ? You get to know Him. Know Him. I just want to give you some more insight on this expression to know. There is a Hebrew word... In the Old Testament, that's also translated to know, and it is the Hebrew equivalent of the Greek word. I think it's pronounced yada. I may, may have gotten that wrong, but it's something like that. Close enough. And it means to know, but you know what it means more than to know? It means the knowledge of intimacy. For instance, that is the word used when Adam knew his wife. Now, Adam, God is not saying he just knew her. He had intimate sexual relations with her. He knew her. There was a relationship there. There was intimacy. Same concept, a love bond. It's also used in Amos 3.2, where God says to Israel, you only have I known among all the families of the earth. Now, is that the only family God knew? Didn't he know about others in the sense of knowledge? Sure. But it means, Israel, you're the only one that I have a relationship with. You're the only ones that I have a bond love relationship with. So the word speaks, and you put it all together, of deep, intimate communion, a love relationship. Now, I ask you, could religion give you that? Never. 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 Let me just show you Matthew chapter 7. Some people who thought that their good works could give them that, and there is a biting judgment to this. Matthew chapter 7. Verses 21 through 23. It's in that passage of Scripture known as the Sermon on the Mount, contrasting the righteousness of the Pharisees with true, genuine righteousness. 
And Jesus said in verse 21 of chapter 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, he is not saying that you have to do these things to get into heaven. What he is saying, though, is those who do really know me as a lifestyle obey. Certainly not speaking about perfection, because none of us do that. But he is saying, those who do the will of my Father indicate that they are mine. And then verse 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? I mean, they were involved in a lot of miraculous things, a lot of supernatural things. Does that prove they're believers? Never. No. Because Jesus said, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Does that mean he didn't know about them? Certainly he knows about everything. He's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. But he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You who are disobedient because it proves you're not, you're not one of mine. But I want you to see from that passage that here's, here will be a people who are very religious. And apparently they thought their religious good deeds would get them into heaven. And Jesus said, I never knew you, which means you don't know me either. You know, we don't have a relationship. We don't have a relationship. Listen, coming to Christ, the gains of coming to Christ is that you now have a relationship with him. Why would you ever abandon that to go back to religion? What did religion ever offer you? Because of my Jewish background, I suppose I have had the opportunity to read and hear from, from Jewish believers who have come out of, of religion. And the overwhelming thing that I hear over and over again whether they are, were very religious Jews or whether they were just sort of secular Jews, is that nothing. It was so empty. Judaism was empty. Empty. Um, sometimes people wonder, how involved was I in Judaism? Not very involved. I was bar mitzvahed when I was 13. I told you about that. The only kid in my neighborhood on a Monday rather than a Saturday. And... Um, and I went, uh, I went to synagogue lessons for a while. I didn't do very, very well. I think I was failing. It was costing my parents a lot of money, so they pulled me out of that. And then I was tutored. For about a year, I was tutored by a rabbi's wife and his daughter. And um, every, uh, every week, I, I would walk to this place, and they would tutor me. I, I, you know, it was an interesting time, because I don't remember anything they said in terms of the Hebrew language. I wish I did. But... Um, they were preparing me for my bar mitzvah. It was one week to go, and I had memorized this stuff. I had, I had memorized the whole thing. I don't know what I was saying, but I had this stuff. And I said, when are we going to get to my bar mitzvah material? I mean, it's coming up. I've got to say something. And they said, this is what you say. Rote memory. I have no idea what I said. And I said a lot. I have no idea what I said. You know why many Jewish people will say after bar mitzvah, and you can hear this from a lot of believers who are of Jewish background, after my bar mitzvah, they'll say, I never went back to the synagogue. You know why? Empty. There's nothing there. Empty without Christ. And that, that would be true of any religion. But that's just my background, so I, I speak of that personally. If you come to Christ, you get to know him in a unique, personal way. You stay in religion, you only get the praise of men. Know that? You'll get the praise of men. They'll think you're great. They'll applaud you for all the external things you do. Religion can give you a gain of finances. Listen, there are a lot of people who go to church so they can make money off of people. You know, it's good for business. You've got something to sell. Hey, what better place to get contacts? Social standing and acceptance. You might even get a plaque if you stay there long enough. 
the esteem of people, but it can never give you a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Never. Never. Why? Why can't it give you that? Well, the first gain is a relationship with Christ. The second gain will tell us why why religion can never give you a relationship with Christ. And that is the second gain is not only a relationship with Christ, but righteousness from God. Religion could never give you that. Righteousness from God. Verse 9. He says, And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. As a Pharisee, you know what Paul's goal was? Righteousness. Righteousness. Look at verse 6, the end of it. As to the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. I mean, Paul was not perfect, but what he was saying is from man's perspective, boy, I was blameless. They couldn't find the fault in me. On the outside, I was who's who in Judaism. The pursuit of righteousness led him to zeal and the practice of the outward commands of the Mosaic law. All the rituals, the sacrifices, the ceremonies, that was his goal. That was every Jew's goal, every religious Jew. That's why Nicodemus came to Jesus and he said, how can I, how can I get into heaven? How can I get into heaven? What must I do? That's the, that's the heart of what he's saying. How can I get to heaven? Now, many people were impressed with, with Paul. Many people were impressed with the Pharisees. They were applauded by men. Matthew chapter 6 says that. Why? Because they look so good. They look better than others. But Jesus wasn't impressed. Look at Matthew, if you would. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. You want to see how impressed Jesus was with their righteousness? And the reason he said this is because so many in Israel were impressed with the righteousness of the Pharisees. For I say to you, chapter 5, verse 20 that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. I don't know if there's anything clearer than that. You've got to have righteousness beyond that of the scribes and Pharisees, or you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. But wait a minute, they are the most righteous. Yes, outwardly, but inwardly, no. You see, the righteousness of the Pharisee was only external. You know, in his heart, in his heart, he coveted, he lusted, They were mad at people, angry. They were cold in their hearts towards God. The reason I say all that is because that's what the Sermon on the Mount is about. If you look upon a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. See, they said, hey, we haven't practiced it. We haven't been involved in adultery. Jesus said, oh, yeah? You don't understand. It's internal. Have you ever lusted? You've broken the law. See, that's he dealt with uh, with the word raka, to be angry, to be incensed. They were mad. He dealt with coldness of heart. He dealt with all those things because the, the, the people needed to understand that righteousness is internal, not external. It's not just external. Their righteousness could not get them to heaven. See, God looks on the heart. Man looks on what? Outward appearance. Outward appearance. Man's very impressed with that. The Pharisees were were ritualistic. They were mechanical, just like so many church people. They just went through the motions. They had no heart for God. Their righteousness couldn't get them to heaven, even though it was outwardly great. Why? Because to get to heaven, you need perfect righteousness. Perfect righteousness. In other words, to get to heaven, you have to be as righteous as God. You say, wait a minute, how could that be? Well, let me show you. Galatians chapter 3. Let me show you from God's Word. say, but that that sounds awfully heretical. Perfect, right? You have to be as righteous as God? You have to obey the law? Well, look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. 
For as many, Galatians 3.10, for as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. I mean, if you want to be saved by the law, then you're under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide in what? All things or everything written in the book of the law to perform them. If you think you can get to heaven by your good works, then how many good works you have to do? Perfect. One slip up, it's not perfect. James chapter 2, the end of the, of the New Testament, towards the end, right after Hebrews, James chapter 2, verse 10, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point has become guilty of all. The law is one. You can't say, well, I broke one thing here. It's like, it's like a, a chandelier. You break one link and you don't have the chandelier. Or a telephone wire. You cut one part of that and it's gone because it's one. Different components, different parts, but one. So to get to heaven, we have to be as righteous as God. But no one is that righteous. No one is that good and perfect and righteous as God. So no matter how religious you are, you can't make it on your own. You can't make it on your own. If you want to get there on your own, you're going to have to be perfect, and nobody is perfect. And that's what Paul discovered. The law could not give him righteousness. You know what the law did? Paul writes in, in Galatians 3.24, the law was our tutor to lead us to Christ. In other words, the law just frustrated a person in one, one aspect. One purpose of the, of the law was to frustrate, frustrate us by exposing our sin. It's not the only purpose, but that was one. So if religion can't give you righteousness, then what can? Back to Philippians 3.9. And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law. Why? Because that's not the purpose of the law, to give you righteousness, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. The moment you admit that you are unrighteous, unrighteous, and surrender and place your trust in Christ as the one who died, paid for your sins, then God gives you the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He puts it on your record, your account. Now, you might ask, well, does that mean I'm always going to behave righteous? No, but it means you will a lot of the times. If you claim that you have the righteousness of God on your record and, and given to you internally and it never issues forth in your life, never, then you have to question whether you ever have received that. But that doesn't mean you're always going to behave righteously. You won't always behave righteously, but as far as the courts of heaven are concerned, you are righteous. You are righteous. Theologians have a big word for it. It's called justification. And it means more than I'm forgiven. It means that it's a judicial act of God whereby he declares a sinner righteous. It is what God does. God has said that. Justification. Let me, let me see if I can illustrate this. story is told of a man who dies... He goes to the gate of heaven, and there an angel meets him. Now, I don't know if this is going to take place, but for the sake of illustration. And this angel meets him, and he says, uh, you need a thousand points to enter into heaven. Well, this man starts listing all of the things that he has done in life, all of his good deeds, perfect attendance in Sunday school, never missed a Sunday. He tithed every week, faithful to his wife. He said, he, he said I, I said my prayers every day. Didn't cheat on my employer. Well, the angel at the gate uh, looks at him and he tells him, we don't give points out for those things. 
You don't get any points for that. Pardon me? No, you don't get any points for that. But I gave my whole life to these things. I heard it at church all the time. This is what you have to do to get to heaven. I've given my whole existence to this. Well, I'm sorry. We don't give any points for that thing. Think of some other things then. We don't get points for that. So while he's trying to come up with his thousand points, another man comes up to the gate of heaven. The angel says to him, you need a thousand points to enter. And that man looks at the angel and says, I don't have a thousand points. In fact, I don't have any points. I don't have any points at all. But I cast myself on the mercy of Jesus Christ. I received him as my Lord and Savior, and he told me I could come here. Oh, says the angel, why didn't you say so in the first place? If you've trusted in Christ, you have far more than a thousand points. God has given you all the points that belong to Jesus Christ. You have as much right to be in heaven as Jesus does. Come on in. That's what Paul means. By a righteousness that comes from God, not from the law. The law could never make you righteous. The law can only frustrate you. It'll reveal how unrighteous you are. Righteousness comes through Christ. The only way to gain the righteousness of Christ is to put your trust in him. In essence, what happens is that we made an exchange. Christ took on himself all of our sin. And we then, when we trust him, received the righteousness of Jesus. It came about because of faith in Christ. Faith alone in Christ, apart from works. We said, thank you, Lord, for dying for me. I trust your death for me. Religion will give you self-righteousness. It will make you feel good about yourself at times. But you know what? It's trash. It's manure. Throw it away. Get rid of it. Come to Christ for true righteousness. In fact, the only way you can come to him is when you recognize how wicked you are and how unrighteous you are and and when you see that your good deeds are rubbish there are wonderful advantages to trusting in christ as opposed to trusting in religion we have seen two of them already one is a personal relationship with god secondly god places upon us the perfect righteousness of the lord jesus but there is even more and pastor steve will tell us about it on the next verse by verse Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He has been serving there for over 27 years, and now his practical messages come to you through this great radio station and the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. Pastor Steve is headed for Israel soon, and you are invited to go with him. Here he is with some details. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff from Verse by Verse here on WTBN. I want to tell you about an exciting opportunity to join me on a trip to Israel I'll be leading this May. We'll be visiting those sites in Israel where Jesus ministered, such places as Capernaum, the Sea of Galilee, the Mount of Beatitudes, the Mount of Olives, Jerusalem, and, and so many more sites. If you're interested in learning more about this tour, then you can call the following number and ask for more information. The number is 877-768-2784, extension one. One one. That's eight seven 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 six eight 
2784 extension 111. The tour dates are May 5th through the 14th. I hope you can join us. One more time, that number is 877-768-2784 extension 111. I hope you can join Pastor Steve for this exciting learning opportunity. If you missed part of today's broadcast, you can hear it again at our website, versebyverseradio.org, or you can download it to play later on your computer or MP3 player. We also offer a free podcasting service if you'd like to make it a regular practice. Our web address once more is versebyverseradio.org. Today, Pastor Steve concluded a three-part message on the gains of coming to Christ. To hear the entire message, you can order a CD or a cassette. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during weekday office hours. Our number again is 727-441-1714. Yogi Berra, the baseball legend, as famous for his awkward statements as for his skill with a bat, said, you got to be careful if you don't know where you're going, because you might not get there. On the next Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will unwrap more of Philippians chapter 3 as we consider our goals in life. We're here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.